Talkspace.com, feeling better starts with a single message. Support for individual, therapy for me, couples, therapy for us, teens ages 13 to 17, psychiatry, medication management, Talkspace accepts insurance, rated number one online therapy, 1 million users, employee stress check report, what's behind the great resignation, read the results of this year's survey, introducing more flexibility, learn about how Talkspace has updated their line sessions for uh, to better serve you, mental health checkup, take a short online test to get answers about your mental health, how Talkspace works, brief assessment, answer a few questions about your preferences, pick your therapist, select from a list of recommendations, start therapy, begin the journey toward a happier you, benefits of Talkspace, eliminate commute time and scheduling hassles, flexible plans to meet your needs and lifestyle, seamlessly switch therapies at no extra cost. Save money while receiving high-quality care. Ready to get started? Talkspace offers comprehensive online mental health treatment options to meet all your needs via video, messaging, or phone. Online therapy, ongoing support from a licensed therapist, couples therapy, relationship-centered therapy that connects you and your partner, teen therapy, specialist therapy for ages 13 to 17, psychiatry, evaluations, and psychiatric medication management, more than 60,000. Five-star reviews, licensed providers providing a range of specialties to meet your specific needs in areas like depression, relationship anxiety, and uh, stress, parenting, LGBTQIA, chronic illness, eating disorders, anger management, childhood abuse, mood disorders, OCD, trauma, and grief, substance abuse, family conflict, and much more. Get matched today, Talkspace versus face-to-face therapy. 80% found the Talkspace to be as effective or more effective than the traditional therapy. 98% found Talkspace to be more convenient than traditional therapy and Talkspace for business. Talkspace partners with employers, health plans, and schools to make mental health care more available and affordable. Rothy's.com. Add comfort to your gift list. Meet Rothy styles from men's and women's shoes to a wide array of bags. Discover sustainable styles made for all. Better for the planet. Rothy's believes there's a way to do things and one that puts the planet and its people first. From better materials to manufacturing and finally to recycling. Rothy's is committed to closing the gap at every step. Give $20, get $20. Tell a friend about Rothy's and you'll both get $20 off your next purchase. So go ahead, tell a friend. The gift of choice. Take the guesswork out of gifting with a pick that never goes out of style. Stay in the know. Try Rothy's today for better comfortable shoes that are better for the planet. Good morning. Here is Chapter 11 of Laura Ingalls Wilder's Farmer Boy, titled Springtime. Now breakfast was eaten before dawn, and the sun was rising beyond the dewy meadows when Almanza drove his team from the barns. He had to stand at the box to lift the heavy collars onto the horse's shoulders and to slip the bridles over their ears, but he knew how to drive. He had learned when he was little his father wouldn't let him touch the colts nor drive the spirited young horses, but now that he was old enough to work in the fields, he could drive the old general work team, Bess and Beauty. They were wise, sober mares when they were turned out to pastures. They did not whinny and gallop like colts. They looked about them, laid down and rolled once or twice, and then fell to eating grass. 
When they were harnessed, they stepped sedately one behind the other over the sill of the barn door, sniffed the spring air, and waited patiently for the traces to be fastened. They were older than Amanza, and he was going on ten. They knew how to plow without stepping on corn or making the furrows crooked. They knew how to harrow and to turn on and to turn at the end of the field. Amanza would have enjoyed driving them more if they hadn't known so much. He hitched them up to the harrow last fall. The fields had been plowed and covered with manure. Now the lumpy soil must be harrowed. Bess and Beauty stepped out willingly, not too fast, yet fast enough to harrow well. They liked to work in the springtime after the long winter of standing in their stalls. Back and forth across the field, they, plowed, they pulled the harrow while Monzo walked behind it, holding the reins. At the end of the row, he turned the team around and set the harrow so that its teeth barely overlapped a strip already harrowed. Then he slapped the reins on the horse's grumps, shouted, Get up! And away they went again. All over the country, other boys were harrowing too, turning up the moist earth to the sunshine far to the north. The St. Lawrence River was a silver streak at the edge of the sky. The woods were clouds of delicate green. Birds hopped, twittering on the stone fences and squirrels. Frisk Amonzo walking, whistling behind his team. When he harrowed the whole field across one way, then he harrowed it across the other way. The harrow's sharp teeth combed again and again through the earth, breaking up the clumps. All the soil must be made mellow and fine and smooth. By and by, Amanza was too hungry to whistle. He grew hungry and hungry. He, it seemed that noon would never come. He wondered how many miles he'd walked, and still the sun seemed to stand still. The shadows seemed not to change at all. He was starving. At last, the sun stood overhead. The shadows were quite gone. Amanza hailed another row and another. Then at last, they heard the horns blowing far and near. Clear and joyful came the sound of Mother's big tin dinner horn. Bess and Beauty pricked up their ears and stepped more briskly at the edge of the field. Toward the house, they stopped. Amonzo unfastened the traces and looped them up, and leaving the narrow, the harrow in the field, he climbed to Beauty's broad back. He rode down to the pump house and let the horses drink. He put them in their stall, took off their bridles, and gave them their grain. A good horseman always takes care of his horses before he eats or rests, but Amonzo hurried. How good dinner was, how he ate, and how he ate. Father heaped his plate again and again, and Mother smiled and gave him two pieces of pie. He felt better when he went back to work, but the afternoon seemed much longer than the morning. He was tired when he rode down to the barns at sunset to do the chores. At supper he was drowsy, and as soon as he had eaten, he climbed upstairs and went to bed. It was so good to stretch out on the soft bed. Before he could pull up the coverlet, he fell fast asleep. In just a minute, Mother's candle light shone on the stairs, and she was calling. Another day had begun. There was no time to lose, no time to waste in rest or play. The life on the earth comes up with the rest in the spring, rush in the springtime. All the wild seeds of weed and thistle and sprouts of vine and bush and tree are trying to take the fields. Farmers must fight them with hair on plow and hoe. They must plant the good seeds quickly. Amonzo was a little soldier in this great battle. From dawn to dark he worked. From dark to dawn he slept. Then he was up again and working. He harrowed the potato field till the soil was smooth and mellow, and every little sprouting weed was killed. Then he helped Royal take the seed potatoes from the bin in the cellar and cut them into pieces, leaving two or three eyes on each piece. Potato plants have blossoms and seeds, but no one knows what kind of potato will grow from a potato seed. All the potatoes of one kind that have ever been grown have come from one potato. A potato is not a seed. It is part of a potato's plant root. 
Cut it up and plant it and it will always make more potatoes just like itself. Every potato has several little dents in it and looks like eyes. From these eyes, the little roots grow down into the soil and, leave, and little leaves push up toward the sun. They eat up the piece of potato while they are small before they are strong enough to take their food from the earth and the air. Father was marking the field. The marker was a low log with a row of wooden pegs driven into it. Three and a half feet apart, one horse drew the log crosswise behind him, and the pegs made little furrows. Father marked the field lengthwise and crosswise, so the furrows made little squares. Then the planting began. Father and Royal took their hoes, and Alice and Almanza carried pails full of pieces of potato. Almanza went in front of Royal, Alice went in front of Father down the rows. At the corner of each square were the furrows crossed. Almanza dropped one piece of potato. He must drop it exactly in the corner so that the rows would be straight and could be plowed. Royal covered it with dirt and padded it firm with, with a hoe. Behind Alice, Father covered the pieces of potato that she dropped. Planting potatoes was fun. A good smell came from the fresh earth from the clover fields. Alice was pretty and gay uh, with the breeze blowing her curls and setting her hoop skirt swing. Father was jolly and they all talked while they worked. Amonzo and Alice dropped. Amonzo and Alice tried to drop the tails so fast that they'd have a minute at the end of a row to look for a bird's nest or chase a lizard into the stone fence. But Father Bird were never far behind. Father said, "Hustle along, there, son. Hustle along." So they whistled. So they hustled, and when they were far enough ahead, Amonzo plucked the grass to him and made a whistle between his thumbs. Alice tried, but she could not do that. He, she, she could pucker her mouth and whistle. Royal teased her. Whistling girls and crowing hands always come to some bad ends. Back and forth across the field they went all all morning, all afternoon for three days. Then the potatoes were planted. Then father sowed the grain. He sowed a field of wheat for white bread, a field of rye for rye and gingerbread, and a field of oats mixed with Canada peas to feed the horses and cows next winter. While father sowed the grain, Amanda followed him over the fields with best and beauty. Harrowing the seeds into the earth. Amonzo could not sow grain yet. He must practice a long time before he could spread the seeds evenly. That is hard to do. The heavy sack of grain hung from a strap over Father's left shoulder. As he walked, he took handfuls of grain from the sack. With a sweep of his arm and a bend of his wrist, he let the little grains fly from his fingers. The sweep of his arm kept time with his steps, and when Father finished sowing a field, every inch of ground had his evenly scattered sides nowhere to too many or too few. The seeds were too small to be seen on the ground, and you could not know how skillful a sower a man was till the seeds came up. Father had told Amonzo about a lazy with his boy who had been sent to sow a field. This boy did not want to work, so he poured the seeds out of a sack and went swimming. Nobody saw him. Afterward, he harrowed the field, and no one knew what he had done. But the seeds knew, and the earth knew, and when even the boy had forgotten his wickedness, they told it. Weeds took to that field. When all the grain was sowed, Almanzo and Alice planted the carrots. They had sacks full of the little red round carrot seeds hanging from their shoulders like Father's big seed sack. Father had marked the carrot field lengthwise with a marker whose teeth were only 18 inches apart. Almanzo and Alice with the carrot seeds went up and down the long field straddling the little furrows. Now the weather was so warm that they could... Go barefooted, their bare feet felt good in the air and the soft dirt. They dribbled the carrot seeds into the furrows, with, and with their feet, they pushed the dirt over the seeds and pressed it down. Amanda could see his feet, but of course, Alice's were hidden under her skirts. 
her hoops one rounded out, and she had to pull them back and stoop to drop the seeds neatly into the furrow. Amonzo asked her if she didn't want to be a boy. She said yes, she did, but she, then she said no, she didn't. Boys aren't pretty like girls, and they can't wear ribbons. I don't care how pretty I be, Amonzo said, and I shouldn't wear ribbons anyhow. Well, I like to make butter and like to patch quilts and cook and sew and spin. Boys can't do that, even. but even if a girl... But even if I be a girl, I can drop potatoes and sow carrots and drive horses as well as you can. You can't whistle on a grass stem, Amonzo said. At the end of the row, he looked at the ash trees, crumpled new leaves, and asked Alice if she knew what when to plant corn. She didn't, so he told her. Corn planting time is when the ash leaves are as big as squirrel's ears. How big a squirrel, Alice asked. Just an ordinary squirrel. Well, those leaves are as big as a baby squirrel's ears, and it isn't corn planting time. For a minute, Amonzo didn't know what to think. Then he said, a baby squirrel is a squirrel, it's a kitten. But it's just as much a squirrel. No, it isn't, it's a kitten. Little cats are kittens, and little foxes are kittens, and little squirrels are kittens. And kitten isn't a cat, and a kitten is a squirrel either. Oh, Alice said, when the ash leaves were big enough, Alonzo helped to plant corn. The field had been marked with a potato marker and father and royal, and Alonzo planted it together. They wore bags of seed corn tied around their waists like aprons, and they carried hoes. At the corner of each square where the furrows crossed they stirred up the soil with the hoe and made a shallow hollow in it dropping two grains of corn into the hollow and covered them with dirt and padded the dirt firm father and royal worked fast their hands and their hoes made exactly the same movements every time three quick swatches and a dab with the hoe a flash of the hands and a scoop and two pats with a hoe and that hill of corn was planted then they made one quick stride for forward and did it again but Amonzo had never planted corn before. He did not handle the hoe so well. He had to trot two steps where far, Royal and fa, Royal or Father took one. Because his legs were shorter, Father and Royal were ahead of him all the time. He could not keep up. One of them finished out his row each time so that he could start out even again. But he knew he could he would plant corn as fast as anybody when his legs were longer. Thank you for listening to this chapter of Laura Ingalls Wilder's Farmer Boy. Stay tuned. Next time to chapter 12, titled Tin Peddler. Thank you, and have a good week. Stay safe, and thank you for listening.